1: It's going down.
0: Everybody, welcome to brand new episode of what's going down here, wherever you get your podcast, or on Patreon, if you have chosen to go ad-free. My name is Kenny, joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you today? Yeah, I'm alright, Kenny. Less stressed than you. Yeah, less stressed than me. The the, the house is this week, lots going on. But it appears, Finn, on Twitter, people think the world has frozen over because I complimented all Japan on Twitter. <laughs>
1: You mean hell is frozen over?
0: Hell, hell is frozen over. I can't even get my metaphors right. Can't do that. Analogies. Can't, anyway, it's the whole thing. Um, yes, John, we promised you we would talk about these matches. I'd watched the Steve Williams match. Um, for, we forgot to talk about it last week. And now I've finally watched the uh, Kobashi and Kikuchi against, I, I want to say Furness and Lafon, but Furness and Crawford. Is that how you pronounce it?
1: Furness for the All-Asia Tag Team Championship.
0: Yeah, and the thing, the thing, I mean, so I've only really ever watched New Japan stuff, and I could not. The biggest thing that stuck out for me from both of them was the crowds. I mean, the All Japan crowds are nuts. I mean, what a great crowd! The
1: for these two matches. Oh, I mean, absolutely amazing. I mean, they they were. I mean, the the crowds back then. I mean, New Japan did have some really hot crowds, but All Japan was noted. For you know the intensity and the enthusiasm, you know, and just the you know euphoric responses that they uh, provided, especially when people scored big wins or um, you know a particularly exciting match took place, you get that stamping of feet, and it would just be this slow sort of rumble, and then it would just erupt. It was yeah quite extraordinary back in the day, and it's uh, it's glory years in the nineties. I mean, so the, the Kobashi and Steve Williams match. Now, what year was that match from? That was ninety three. Ninety three.
0: I mean, it's funny because it's only six years later that Williams goes to, or six, five years later that Williams goes to WWF, and yeah. I mean, it's just it's there's it's it's night and day, and yeah. them. I mean, because I've I think I've watched a Kobashi match before. I think you got me to watch a Kobashi match before against another Japanese guy who I can't remember. I think it was Kobashi and. Is that a famous a really famous one series he's got with another Japanese wrestler? People were probably oh, screaming Masawa. Misawa yeah, it was Misawa and Kobashi. That's the match that we oh, watched before. Oh yeah, that
1: that's sort of like obscure Japanese wrestler <laughs> that no one's heard of.
0: <laughs> oh no, I knew people would be going nuts. But yeah, I, I remember enjoying Kobashi before. But him, him and Steve Williams was great and I remember at one point just I'm sitting watching it and they're chopping the shit out of each other. Yeah. And they both look gubbed and I'm like, it's only a third of the way through. Yeah, these two guys, but they, they—they were able to do this hard hitting style for near thirty minutes. Yeah, and, was I mean, well over twenty, wasn't it? Yeah, and the crowd, you know, Kobashi, Kobashi—they're just going crazy for him. And every time you know Kobashi would get something in on Williams, it was just like the crowd were so into. It. And then those kind of suplexes towards the end, yeah, just, yeah, back backdrop driver,
1: which is. Yeah. Was- which was the the big move, which was obviously a dangerous move and not one that anyone should attempt to emulate and this is the whole you know the whole downside to the old Japan style is just the the, the effect it had on everyone I and mean, it was physically so destructive I mean as you just said when Steve Williams rocked up in WWF he was a shell of the guy he had been because he'd been through the old Japan system and it was so tough and even though they weren't working as many dates per year as WWF or WCW were, the matches were so much harder and so much more was expected from the talent. Um and um, you know, the upshot of that was that the bodies um, you know, disintegrated, you know, under the impact of, of the big moves and the blows and the rest of it. Um, but you know, great for our viewing pleasure, but not <laughs> great for the for the people who were in the ring. You know, really, really tough matches. But yeah, the backdrop driver was like people were just astounded when he unveiled that move and um, Kabashi took it really high like too high I always remember the sell job on the second backdrop driver Mm -hmm. and I don't know whether I've ever seen a better sell job ever on any move in pro wrestling history it was just incredible he sort of gets up and then staggers around and it's like something out of Rocky only more realistic and he's just grabbing the ropes and trying to pull himself back up um, and then Williams hits another one. Fortunately, it didn't look quite as dangerous and scores the pin. And it was, I mean, there was some sloppiness in the match, but it didn't matter because it had everything it like a fight, didn't it? So yeah. if there was some, something that was slightly off, it didn't matter because it was in the context of trying to beat each other, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. So, it, 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 the, whole, the whole thing felt like a fight. And it's funny because I, I wish I could remember the match that we watched for a previous podcast in the last couple of years, that Steve Williams was involved in in WCW, or NWA, in maybe eighty-eight, eighty-nine. We definitely watched the show. Yeah, it
1: was the War Games at Great America Bash, nineteen eighty-nine, when he did the military press on Terry Gordy.
0: Yeah, and he and he did the military press here as well. But but yeah. you, I mean, you, even through me not seeing a lot of them and me having very faint memories of of watching Steve Williams from eighty-nine, you can tell he is he's not the guy he was even in nineteen eighty-nine. I mean, he still can go a lot. But like, it's more of a brawling style. He's just, he's not quite as uh, fast paced or or was, he, or was he still as fast paced, but he just didn't need to use that in ultra pan. Was that the
1: case? Yeah, I, I mean, I think probably his peak was 93, 94 and the, he okay. became triple crown champ in 94 and which was a great run for him. Um, he didn't hold the belt for too long, but I mean, it was, uh, you know, he was, he was effective in the time that he held the title and he was one of the top foreigners there. I don't think he ever actually was a top foreigner. I think it was always Stan Hansen during that era. He had um, the title of, you know, top foreign wrestler in all Japan pro wrestling. Hansen still had it at that point. Uh, He could still really go. Um, But I mean, I mean, it was a different style as well. You know, all Japan. It was WCW was, you know, you weren't going to do a WCW match in all Japan. And when they went Went there in 92, uh, Williams and Gordy. You know, their style had changed slightly and it didn't really fit in that well in WCW because they were used to the All Japan style and they had to modify it slightly. And so, you know, but the All Japan thing was something that he absolutely perfected. He, you know, that was his full-time gig. That was his priority. And um, he knew exactly what to do in his matches, he knew what his opponents needed from him, he knew what the audience expected from him, and he just added down to a fine art.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, I was really impressed by it. So I'd, I'd watched that last week, and then I was like, okay, so today I'll sit down and watch the Kobashi and Kikuchi against Crawford and uh, Ferns. Um, Yeah, and I'm, and I'm going, right, okay. And I kind of was not expecting that to be as good. I don't know why. And then I was watching, I was going... This is miles better than the Steve Williams match. And that oh, was yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah, I that mean, was mid-92, that match. The, the, the spot where, because there's the spot where Furness and uh, Crawford do the kind of their version of the Doomsday device. Yeah. And the crowd are just like, no, no, you know, you can't beat him. And then, I think it was Kikuchi. And then they, they do their own version where Kikuchi does the drop kick. And, you know, when they think, they think they've think they got the pin, it was fantastic. The one thing I was going to ask you, though, and it was an amazing match. Again, the crowd were phenomenal. There was a bit where uh, Kobashi went to do his, his moonsault. And he goes to do the moonsault on Crawford. And I think he's supposed to miss, but he still hits Crawford. But then he kind of sells it as if he's hurt. And then they end up going to that for the finish. Was that the plan? Or did they have to redo it because he fell on him the first time? I couldn't work out. If that was like part of the what was going on?
1: Oh, I, I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. I mean, you know, I don't even, I don't even think I, I only sort of seen a few Japanese wrestling matches at this point in time when that took place, and, um, I'm, I'm not sure if something did go wrong there. Um, but, but, I mean, they made, they made it look like it was part of the plan. Yeah, exactly. And that, that was the thing is that that was the whole thing that. It would cover them on spots because they didn't look rehearsed and they didn't look contrived, and it didn't look artificial. And most of what they did was in, you know, was in the pursuit of victory. So if you did something, it didn't look quite right. Um, they could get away with it, and usually stuff looks spot on anyway. It was very rare that you'd have like a, a badly blown spot where you, you know, the air would just be sucked out of the crowd. You know that that seldom happens you know, especially on a TV taping. I mean, everyone was, you know, everyone was firing on all cylinders. And this match was, yeah, the crowd was just going ballistic, you know, for willing Kabashi and Kikuchi onto victory. And in the end, they did score the win. And then Crawford Furness, because it's supposed to be a sport, came over and congratulated them afterwards mm-hmm. and shake. And it's, even though you do have subtle faces and subtle heels, it's not so, it was not so overt that, you know, they would do the things that were accustomed to in American or Western wrestling in general, um, it was still presented as like a, a sporting contest, so to speak. And that was the whole King's Road style was, you know, if you, if you looked at the, you know, the Kabashi, you know, Williams match when they're going for early covers, it's a one count, then it's a two count, then it's like a two and a half count. And then it's—I t- mean, I know you, you did this in American wrestling as well, but it was more pronounced. I always felt in all Japan during this period, and everything would have more of an impact as the match wore on, as it should do in, as you know, in the psychology of the match. Because if you're worn down at the twenty-minute mark, you're only just going to kick out, are you, mm-hmm. rather than kicking out early? So, I mean, it's just basic stuff. But so often in pro wrestling, you don't see that, um, because people are too, you know. <sighs> The the more concerned about rushing to the next high spot, and, you know, attempting the next cheap pop, and doing something that you know is not in keeping with the story they're trying to tell. If if indeed they're even trying to tell a story, let's face it, a lot of the time they don't bother. It's just let's go straight to the high spots because that's an easy route to a cheap pop. Um, I've got to tell you, watching these matches again, you know, I almost I was. Really deeply moved by by watching them again. <laughs> it really was, and I was just like, "I know, mean, to, 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 to so the point. Good. I'm gonna when when when
0: my other half gets home tonight, I'm gonna be like we 'We're watching this tag match. I'm gonna watch it again.' That's the best compliment I can give it. That you know, because <laughs> because it what because for me, I've said this before. When you get to kind of twenty five minutes, I kind of lose interest in in most wrestling matches. It's just my per- personal preference, and I feel like with this one, it's really well paced it's almost like they're putting on the match and the crowd are just in, enjoying watching what they're doing. They're yeah. not like, they're not having to go, oh, they're not reacting to this, so we'll change it and do this. Like what they're doing, the crowd are just in awe of. And yeah. it was like a fight. And even to your point about the whole kind of, there were some bits that maybe looked a bit sloppy, but that kind of added to it because it felt more like a fight and yeah. fights aren't supposed to look super choreographed. Yeah. So, you know, then it's even, even that thing with Kobashi doing the moonsault, it's like, If he he did mean, if Crawford did mean to move, they just sold it as if, well, when he hit him, it still hurt him, so he was going to sell it. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's it. And it's just just reacting to what's happening, you know, in an instinctive way, rather than saying, oh, no, uh, we've got to go back to, you know, what we've rehearsed or what we've planned. And it's like, you know, well, let's work that into the match, you know, spontaneously, and that'll... Add to what we do next and make what we do next have more meaning, um, but the match, the 92 match, especially, just hasn't hasn't aged a day. You could do that match now, and it would provoke just as much um, of a response as it did back then.
0: Yeah, I mean, it,
1: what I'll do, I'll put the,
0: I'll put the the link to. To these matches in the episode description, but if you if you can't find them, you just need to type them into Daily Motion, and they'll pop up the old Japan ones from May twenty fifth, nineteen ninety two. That was it. Uh, And then yeah, you just need to type in Kobashi Williams, and it's it's like a thirty minute fifty six second video or something. So they're well worth a watch. So John, thank you for um, the recommendation for us to watch some stuff, and um, yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed it.
1: So, this time to, we deliver. It, it might take us nearly four years. <laughs> we deliver. Look, they, there's a reason the phrase "better late than never"
0: was developed. It was for us specifically. Um, it's time to talk about the draft. Then, obviously, there was the two draft shows. So, I think the way we'll do it, just for ease, is what we'll do is first of all, we'll go through any kind of developments of storylines on the shows, and then we'll go through who's been drafted where. So on SmackDown, obviously, the big story was the tag team title match in the main event with uh, Sami and KO taking on the Usos. Would the Usos regain the titles? And I think I've got egg on my face, Finn, because I, I I predicted that Sami and KO were going to lose the titles because I just had this feeling that they retained. Um, and, you know, going into it, there was a whole story of where they turning each other. What did you make of the match? And were you happy to see Sami and KO keep their belts?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it wasn't as good as the WrestleMania match, but there's no way it was going to be because that was the peak and there was a bigger crowd there and there was the emotion of Zayn and Owens finally ending Jimmy and Jay's tag team title reign. So, I mean, I thought it was a perfectly adequate TV match. There was nothing about it that you would really want to watch twice. Mm -hmm. And it was more really about um, promoting the storyline, wasn't it? And Paul Heyman, before the match, was speaking to Jimmy and Jay, Whose mood kept changing from like one of like you know glee to you know deep concern as Heyman's there communicating messages from Roman Reigns about how they need to win this match, you know, to remain on the island of relevancy and not suffer the indignity of relegation to the ocean of obscurity. <laughs> I mean there was a lot riding on this match for Jimmy and Jay. And after they lost, um, it was Zayn who pinned Jimmy, didn't he? Zayn pinned Jimmy after a Luva kick. And the Usos looked despondent at ringside afterwards. So I'm I'm keen to see how this is going to play into what happens next with them and Roman Reigns. Assuming Roman Reigns ever resurfaces Kenny on SmackDown, presumably will at some point. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed it as a main event. Not a, Couldn't hold a candle to the WrestleMania match, but I think it did what it was supposed to do, really, which was effectively not draw a line under the feud, but, I mean, it's hard to imagine there's going to be another tag team tout match between Zayn and Owens and Jimmy and Jay. I mean, the, they're having the match at Backlash this weekend, aren't they? So we know there's going to be a match there. But, you know, Owens and Zayn have moved to Raw, haven't they? And Jimmy and Jay are on SmackDown, so it looks like it's over because yeah, there was obviously there was the
0: whole thing about, you know, um the idea that uh, that Solo was gonna was gonna do what he was supposed to do and then Matt Riddle Matt Riddle takes him out of the picture. I've gotta say, even though I thought the story was pretty good, I am kind of getting a bit bored of no Roman Reigns, but he's always what everybody talks about. Like, if he's if this is so integral to him being involved in this storyline, he needs to appear soon. Yeah. To give us something because even, you know, Brock Lesnar, when he was part-time, you know, if Brock wasn't on the show, then, you know, he would maybe get a mention or two. Now, I, I'm glad that Roman is mentioned a lot, but at the same time, it's like, it, it feels like we're doing this storyline and there's just like a cardboard cutout of him. And <laughs> I'm like, can we, can we, can we, can we, I mean, he's been off for a month. I think he can fly to one SmackDown in a jet, you know, just to to give us something for... Cause, and, but we'll see, the proof will be in the pudding because obviously the ISO has failed to win the titles. So yeah. what's Roman Reigns going to do? What's his message? What's his, you would assume he would have been on SmackDown this coming Friday in Puerto Rico. I doubt he's going to be, but... No,
1: I, I don't think he will be because he's, I don't think he's going to be at the show. I think he will be at SmackDown a week on Friday. I mean, if he's not, what are we doing? What are we doing here with just... Yeah. The... He, needs we'll to be on the, he needs to be
0: on the May 12th SmackDown for sure. Um the other thing from SmackDown I did want to mention was we did get the return of the OC, uh, AJ Styles, uh, Gallows Anderson and Mia Yim, Michin, um, and they came out and ended up getting into it with the Viking Raiders and sort of took them down. Um from this, this, appearance- was, uh, this was This was Edge's first TV appearance of the year, wasn't it? Yeah, this is his first appearance in months. Yeah. I was going to ask you I mean in terms of the OC they're back now. Did you from this segment did you feel more enthusiasm for what is to come for them? Do you think you've, you've, got, <laughs> no, you've got... Not really. Not really, no. <laughs> what is it What is it that's missing? What is it that's not feel that clicking with the OC thing?
1: I, I don't know. I mean, Gallows, Gallows and Anderson, they need a match. They just need a match that really sparks, that really delivers fireworks. Because they've never given us one of those since they returned. And I don't know why that is, because they are very capable as a tag team. And um I mean AJ just feels played out. I mean he's still he can still go in the ring. We know that. Um I mean I am I am always amused by AJ. I don't know why, but he just amuses me. And um I mean he's a real talent, he's in great shape still. I mean, what is he now? Forty six, is he? Something like that. I mean, he's but I mean you'd never believe it, because he's still got it. But he's just he's just been there too long, and that's the problem. But I think I'm not sure if they're gonna turn it around against the Viking Raiders. I mean, I, I'm I, I actually don't mind the Viking Raiders. I think they're a decent team. I think they could do more with them as well, but they never really amount to much. They've never I don't think they've ever really been given a chance to really deliver um and be stars. They just feel like a perennial perennial undercard act. Um, and that's and that's the same. That's my view as well on Gallows and Anderson. They just feel like you know, second-match guys. So they just need a match that really, you know, blows our socks off, that really just, you know, delivers, you know, some serious action. And uh, I think that could be a difference maker for them. Um, I'm not sure, really. I mean, as I say, AJ's been there now over seven years. Just feels like his time's up. He feels like a Nakamura-type guy, only, you know, he's just a guy who's just been there too long. Yeah, it's a
0: shame. I mean, I, I do think part of it is that he doesn't really seem that. There's there's like, you know, you, I mean, you watch Jericho as an example, right? And Jericho is obviously not as good a wrestler as AJ Styles is generally, right? But Jericho's always, or a lot of times he's like, right, I'm going to do something that different. I'm going to try something else for my character just to try and keep himself going. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, right? But he tries. With AJ, he doesn't really try to change anything about himself. And it's, you know he's due a change. He's due something because he's just been this version of AJ Styles for years. And I mean, the last thing he did really of note was that um, the Undertaker match at WrestleMania in 2020 because the edge feud was dull. Yeah. Now he's with the OC. Um, it's a shame. I mean, maybe AJ Styles and Roman Reigns with the... Maybe that'll be something that for like a month or two could be could be good. But he would need to up his game yeah, and the promos because if you're in there with Roman Reigns, I mean, you really need to be able to go in promos. You you need to knock it out of the park. So we'll yeah, see. I mean,
1: I, I'd be up for that. And I think um, I think Gallows and Anderson would make a, a lot of gains from associating with the Bloodline. I mean, no one on earth I can, I can imagine would think that they would have any chance of winning. But that's not the point. The point is to try and reheat them. And to try and make people care about Gallows and Anderson, and to an extent AJ Styles, um, and I think that would be quite interesting. You're right. I mean, maybe that like like the proverbial fire, and get AJ uh, you know cooking again. He, um, I think he's still got something to offer, um, or at least I hope he has. And maybe that would be the program in which he would show some of the flashes of flashes of the old brilliance. Yeah, maybe, and yeah, he turn he turns forty six in June next 46, month. Forty six, I knew was nearly forty six, right? Yeah, so but I mean, um, he can still go, you know. I'm sure he can. Well, right,
0: let's move on to the actual draft itself, and this kind of plays in because on on Raw last night, so Brock Lesnar had been publicized as being part of the 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 draft picks who are eligible on Raw. Yeah, and during the show, we find that he's renegotiated his contract. And he's a free agent. Yes. I mean, to me, that feels like Vince McMahon to me. Because why was he on the graphic? Why was he the whole week? It was, he's going to be on on Raw getting, getting drafted. And then all of a sudden, he's not in the draft. He's above it. Like, it just felt quite lazy. Like, if, if there had been a segment where, where Brock Lesnar had come out and negotiated in the ring or something, you know, if he'd said, oh, well, I found a loophole and I actually don't need to wrestle at Backlash but I will wrestle, you know, or, you know, I've reached my number of dates for the year or something. I say, but I'm willing to, to to do it, but in return I want to be a free agent for a year. Or something. Just give us something. yeah.
1: Story-wise. Um, but we didn't get it. We just got... Uh, Triple H just came out and said that he'd renegotiated his contract and he's a free agent who can appear on any brand at any time. Um,
0: let's
1: go through the rosters.
0: We'll go through SmackDown's roster first. So these are all the people who have been picked. I'm going to go through each each brand with three sections, men's, women's, and NXT call-ups, and get your thoughts in. So SmackDown, the men's division, we have the Bloodline, Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa, and Paul Heyman. We have the Usos. We have the Street Profits, Edge, Bobby Lashley, the OC, Hit Row, Austin Theory, uh, the LWO, which is all five of them, Ray Santos, uh Cruz, Cruz Del Toro <laughs> Wacky wound, Can I yeah? just stop
1: you there, Kenny? Because they <laughs> were saying, weren't they, up until last week, I think, oh, tag teams could be split, yes. factions could be separated, and then none of them were.
0: Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Um we've also got for the men the Brawling Brutes, Carrying Cross with Scarlet, Ellie Knight, Rick Boogs. Um so that's the that's the men's roster. Um thoughts initially?
1: Um I mean I think I'm I'm pleased that um I'm pleased that LA Knight was was featured. Um did you mention Cameron Grimes? So, so the NXT call-ups are Grayson Waller, Cameron Grimes,
0: Pretty yeah. Deadly, and yeah. for for the men. Yeah. So we've got Cameron, Cameron Grimes is coming and hopefully they are gonna make him a, a featured character on the show.
1: Yeah, I'm just I mean, he's somebody who's been waiting in the wings for an opportunity since I think November. I think he was sent back in from NXT. Grayson Waller is somebody who they're huge fans of and they think he can do really well on the main roster. And I think he can as well. Um, I mean he's 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 really you can tell a guy just absolutely believes in himself. And I just hope they don't shut him down. I just hope they don't squeeze that confidence out of him. I don't think they will, because there seems to be a little more of, you know, more communication and cooperation between NXT and the main roster than there has been previously. Although you still, you never know what's going to happen, do you? I mean, just because you've done well in NXT doesn't necessarily mean you'll do well on the main roster. We've seen that many times, haven't we? That people have just basically fallen at the first hurdle or just been abandoned or... Just not given a chance to excel on the main roster, um, but yeah, I think I think I'm I think I'm pleased with with the the call ups from NXT, um, and I think I think the the um, the draft picks the, the transfers I think most of them make sense. Um, yeah, I think I'm I think I'm fairly happy with it. I mean, the thing is, this goes back to something you said last week. We've had so much. So many people moving from Raw to SmackDown and vice versa for months and months and months that none of it really feels like it matters very much, does it? No, and also the 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 the
0: men's. I mean, when I look at that roster, it feels half full. It doesn't feel. I mean, if you, so if you look at Roman Reigns as an example, right, and you go through like right, who could he feasibly have a match with, and you've got three names. You've got. Uh, edge Bobby Lashley edge Bobby Lashley and uh, AJ Styles AJ Styles that's pretty much your whack and none of them are taking the title from Roman Reigns no so you've got that part of it and then so the women's roster for Smackdown spoiler the the raw did much better for for women but um the women's roster for Smackdown is including the call-ups is damage control all three of them Alba Fire and Isle of Dawn, the NXT Tag Team Champs. Lacey Evans, Charlotte Flair, Asuka, Shotzi, and Tamina.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
0: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Uh, so, so Bianca, Sorry. Bianca Belair. Sorry, Bianca Belair. I was about to
1: mention that. I thought I was yes. like imagining that. Um, I'm glad Bianca's gone to SmackDown because I am keen to see her and Charlotte Flair clash. That's the big program. That's the, that's the, the, the money pro. program on SmackDown. It is, but we've just had Damage Control versus Bianca Belair for months and months and months to the point that no one wants to see that match ever again. You know, I mean, I know we've got your Sky versus Bianca Belair at Backlash this weekend, but after that, please no more Damage Control versus Bianca Belair because it's just been done to death, hasn't it? It's just there's no no value in my mind left in that series. I hope Belair and Sky have a really good match at Backlash this weekend. I mean, I think that would be a, 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 that would at least um, bring the whole thing to a close on a high. And it just feels like the whole program has been a massive disappointment. Um, you know, with a few sort of moments of of quality, but mostly it's just underdelivered massively. So Belair versus Charlotte Flair does feel like a big program, and maybe Charlotte can get Bianca. Maybe she can motivate her again. So it just feels like Bianca Belair, Belair has lost interest at many times in the last six months or so. But, um, but I mean, you're right, Kenny, it's, it feels like Raw's done better in terms of the women's division. Um, and SmackDown after Charlotte Flair versus Bianca Belair, what has it really got that's exciting? That's there's going only, to deliver, you know?
0: There's only two matches, I think, at the moment they've got, which is Asuka and Charlotte Flair, where Asuka could finally get the big win over Charlotte in a big match. Yeah. And Charlotte and Bianca, because we've just seen Bianca and Asuka. Yeah. And, um, I mean, maybe if they can reheat Bailey. I mean, do ba- you know Bailey at the moment is like cold chips. Yeah, you, know, you, you can't reheat cold chips. They just they, it doesn't work. And that's who
1: she still, is. Yeah, it, that's right. She is. She just feels. I don't know what's happened because I was, I was, <laughs> I was really, you know, looking forward to a return last year, and um, it's like she still wants it and she's still hungry. Doesn't seem like she's bored when you see her. It's as if she she's really still wants to be good. Um, but she just isn't as interesting as a character and as dependable in the ring as she was. She used to be just rock solid. You could count on a Bailey match delivering night in and night out. And she's just struggled on so many occasions. Um that it's it's hard to get excited about anything she does anymore, and especially against opponents that she's already wrestled many, many times. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Asuka's, I mean, she, yeah, you're right, she had the match with Bel Air at WrestleMania, she was decent, actually it was a good match. Um, we were both disappointed that she didn't become champion. I mean, have we seen her since? Has she done anything since WrestleMania? I,
0: I, I'm trying to think, has she even had a match? I mean, uh, we haven't seen Charlotte Flair, have we? No, we've not seen Charlotte Flair. Um, let me just look at Asuka her here. Does she, has she had a match since? Uh, she's she's wrestled on house shows, but um, yeah. yeah, no, she's not. She's not wrestled on TV since WrestleMania. So yeah. she's been doing she's been doing tag matches on or handicapped tag matches on the house shows. Her and Bianca against Damage Control. That's been the, okay. the recent one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I, I the other thing I want to say about the SmackDown uh, draft is i I'm really happy for Pretty Deadly. I know we spoke about them last week. Yeah. And uh, I think that they, you know, them being in there with like the Brawling Brutes and the LWO um, and even the OC to the extent, the Street Profits, the, the Usos, like there's enough teams there that I think that you could get some good stuff going. Obviously we need to see what's going to happen with the tag titles because at the moment uh, Sammy and KO are the undisputed tag champs, but I guess that's going to have to change. Although, yeah. I mean, it's no, it's, It's not a coincidence that as soon as there was undisputed tag team titles and they meant more, they were better. But we'll we'll, we'll see.
1: Well, I mean, maybe they'll still be able to defend the belts on either brand. I mean, let's face it, whenever they do these things where they make these announcements, come up with these rules, I mean, they usually break them within a couple of weeks, don't they? (laughs) They do, they do. I mean, your rules and boundaries, you know, don't really apply in WWE. So I mean, they just, oh well, Kevin and Sammy they can come over and defend the belts because they're champions of both Raw and SmackDown. And I actually, (laughs) you know, endorse that's fine with me. They should do that, and it will make it more interesting for them and for us as viewers. Um, but unless they're gonna split the belt, somehow they're not going to create a, a, a brand new tag team title as well, Kenny. Please no. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it
0: past them at this point. No, me neither. Um, listen, before we go to Raw, the free agents are Brock Lesnar, as we mentioned. The other people who are free agents, I mean, get excited at this crew. Baron Corbin, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin as a duo, Dolph Ziggler, Elias, Mustafa Ali, Omas with MVP, and from NXT, Von Wagner and Zion Quinn. I mean, all free agents.
1: Von Wagner. Yeah. I mean, did you read that story last week? I mean, it seemed like a joke to me that they see him as a future WrestleMania headliner. Did you see that story? I did. I mean, no. what? I mean, I don't.
0: I don't think you could headline him in WrestleMania in a video game. Never mind in real life.
1: He's not even a headliner in NXT. I mean, he's seen as. You know, they had this storyline going where he just couldn't win. So I mean, I actually think he's pretty good in the ring. But I, I just don't see any sort of big time character traits in there that are gonna get him over on the main roster. Um, I mean I mean Zion Quinn as well is a good looking guy. Maybe he'll be involved with maximum male models. Maybe that could be his route. That he actually probably would do it would fit in quite well there. And but that's if they're gonna do anything with maximum male models. And they're like anonymous at the moment, aren't they? We see Maxine, but we don't see um Masse and Mansoir. <laughs> I can't remember last time we saw those two on TV. I mean it's quite a few weeks, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's been a while.
1: Well let's um let's go through the raw roster. I'll just split it
0: into male and female. So the male roster for raw. Are Cody Rhodes, Imperium who were drafted together, Gunther, Ludwig and Giovanni, Matt Riddle Drew McIntyre, The Miz Shinsky Nakamura, Apollo Cruz coming up from NXT Dexter Loomis, JD McDonough the former Jordan Devlin The Viking Raiders, Maximum Male Models all three of them Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn The Judgment Day of Finn, Damian and Dominic The New Day, Xavier and Kofi Braun Strowman and Ricochet Bronson Reed, Alpha Academy Johnny Gargano, Angel Numberto, Akira Tozawa, Reddick Moss, and Up from NXT, Odyssey Jones, and Indus share Gender Veer and Sangha. I
1: um, mean, there's
0: a lot, there's a lot of chaff you could, you know, cut off that
1: roster. There is. I mean, well, you know, at least main events can have, you know, plenty of uh stats. You know, to, yeah, to, to, to fill its two matches per week. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, main event's going to be spalled for choice, Kenny, in a few weeks' time. Um, I mean, Drew McIntyre to Raw makes sense. Um, yeah. He needs to do the heel turn as well when he returns. We've talked about this previously. Don't need to go over that again. Um, so I think that's a good move for him. And maybe he could become world champion as a heel. I think I'd like to see that. Um, Indy well, to Raw makes sense because... The rest of the way are on Raw, right?
0: Yes. So, we've, yeah, yeah, we've now got all of the way on
1: Raw. Yeah. So, I mean, oh, apart from so apart from Austin Theory, obviously, he's on SmackDown. Then. So, so yeah, obviously he's separated, split from them anyway. I mean, yeah. Theory over to SmackDown. I think that's a good move for him. I think you know it opens up some new and fresh and interesting opportunities over there. I think he'd done pretty much everything he could on Raw, um, so I like the idea of him as US champion on SmackDown. Also, it distances him from this new world title. You know, we talked about this last week, didn't we? Where Theory suddenly isn't interested or as interested in his US title because there's a bigger prize that he could win. I mean, I realise, you know, over on SmackDown, we've got Roman Reigns there. and But that's, you know, Roman Reigns is really without out of Austin Theory's reach and they're both heels. So it's hard to imagine that their paths are going to cross. Um, so I like the idea of Austin Theory on SmackDown. Yeah, How well, I've never really been impressed by her, except for as a character when she was doing stuff with Gargano and Candice and Dexter. I thought she did really well then, but as an in-ring performer, I just don't think she's that great. So, you know, the fact that she'll probably be reunited with her old uh, stablemates from NXT should save her. Uh, if she was to just be unleashed on... Roar on her own, forget about it I just don't think she would make it Um, Alba Fire and Isla Dawn um, On Smackdown I think that's a really good move for those two Um, I think These two have been ready to go on the main roster For a while Um, So uh, I mean two fellow Countrymen, uh, countrywomen of yours Kenny to your fellow compatriots,
0: Alba Fire and uh, yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I appreciate
0: the 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 Scots that are are getting a showing this year. That's good. That's something. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, in terms of the, the women on Raw, though, let's go through the women's roster on Raw, which is obviously way better than the SmackDown one, as you mentioned earlier. We've got Becky Lynch, uh, Indy Hartwell, La- Candice LeRae, Chelsea Green, and Sonya Deville, Natalia um, Valhalla of the Viking Raiders, Zoe Stark. Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez as a duo, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler as a duo, Trish Stratus, Katana Chance and Caden Carter from NXT, Dana Brooke, Nikki Cross, Ziya Lee and Emma. So they've they've definitely done better on on the women's side of Raw.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, That's for sure. But I mean, you know, I mean, Fire and Dawn, on SmackDown, I like that. I think that's a great move for those two. I think they were ready to be called up, so really pleased that they they have got this gig. Uh, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. I mean, they're on, they're going to be on Raw. I mean, I know I think both of them are injured at the moment. I mean, either of them are wrestling, as far as I know. Um, I mean, it's hard to get excited about anything they're going to do. I mean, I mean, at least it means that possibly Rousey and Becky Lynch might have that. Rematch. I mean, I'm not excited about it, but I think there would be interest in it, you know, because of the, you know, WrestleMania um, main event from back in 2019. 2019, was it? Yes, yeah, 2019. 2019. Yeah. 2019. Um, and I think Becky Lynch is somebody who could probably make Ronda Rousey seem relevant again. So I think that's a good, I think this is a good move for Ronda. Um, and maybe she could find... You know, some of that old enthusiasm, you know, I don't know where it's gone. Maybe, she, maybe between her and Becky, they can go on like a treasure hunt and find it. Um, but yeah, it sounds like they've done all right on Raw for the women's division. Um, I think, Zoe, where did Zoe Stark end up, Kenny? She's on, oh, Raw. She she's yeah, she, on Raw. She's well. on Raw as well. I'm a fan of Zoe Stark as a talent. I think she's really good in the ring. Um, but I don't know whether she's got a big enough personality to make it on her own. I'm not sure if the audience is really going to get into her unless she and the they, they would do, I think, based on the quality of her matches. But she might not be given enough minutes to have the sort of matches that she's had in NXT. So she might be better forming a tag team or being involved with other people. Um, but I, I understand why she's been called up, because I think she's ready to go in the ring. Um, so, I, yeah, good for her. You know, one thing actually that was really happening, Kenny, from both SmackDown and Raw was they had cameras, didn't they, in the performance centre? Yes. Um, and, and gauging the reactions from people um, on NXT when they were called up. Now, I don't know whether they were acting or whether this was a total surprise to them. It surely can't have been to pretty deadly because they had to know they were getting called up, right? But, uh, I mean, you know, they did do a good job of acting if they knew. They probably did know, let's be honest. Um And I thought they really, they did seem, you know, they were so pleased and chuffed and, you know, there's this great sense of elation that, yes, we've been summoned to the big time. And I thought that was a nice touch, having the cameras there at NXT. It is a nice touch. I think the only thing that's
0: going to be a concern for the majority of the NXT people is that a lot of them are probably not going to make a difference on the main roster. I think there's people like, uh, obviously, pretty deadly on SmackDown, I think they could do pretty well, Um, no pun intended. I think that, <laughs> I think that you know somebody like Cameron Grimes could do well if given the chance, but I think you know I think for people like Alba Fire and Isla Dawn, I think they could struggle potentially. It, it, it's all going to depend how much time and efforts put into them. Um, but yeah, I think overall the 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 women's roster definitely looks better on Raw. Um, the men's roster on Raw is, is decent. I mean, I think that having Drew there and having Imperium is pretty good. I do worry for J.D. McDonough. I just don't I just don't know how he's going to play on Raw. I just yeah. can't imagine that, you know, if, Gar- if Gargano's not been able to crack through Raw, then I don't know if J.D.'s got a good shot. But, you know, stranger things have happened. And then, of course, we have to talk about the... It looks like we're going to have the belt swap again, because Rhea Ripley's on Raw, and she's obviously the... Uh, SmackDown Women's Champion and Bianca Belles on SmackDown. She's the Raw Women's Champion. I mean, you would think that they could go right. We're 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 going to put these two on different brands. Let's fix it so that we don't need to do belt swaps. But it's not where we are. We've...
1: Yeah. Well, maybe the belt swap will pass without incident this time. You know, you <laughs> have to I remember the last one with Charlotte and Becky Lynch. I mean that was quite a that was the last one, wasn't it? That was a mm-hmm. that was yeah. an odd an odd situation that was, wasn't it? Where they actually genuinely fell out and almost ruined it. I I'm still really perplexed by what happened there. I mean, but I guess they just don't like each other. Maybe it's just that simple. And they weren't willing to put each other over. Um But um but yeah um but yeah they need they need to get they need to do that. I mean that's something they need to do if they don't do it at backlash, they need to do it next week, I would think. Mm -hmm. Um because it doesn't really make sense that um Rhea Ripley would be SmackDown women's champion and when she's on Raw and Bianca Belair would be raw women's champion when she's on SmackDown. So I mean that goes without saying, really, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, overall. How are you? How are you feeling
0: about it? I'm feeling a little bit dejected, only because I think the way we've had, I think the way we've had it has been better. So I, I, I kind of fear for things maybe taking a little bit of a dip. If we're not, cause it's not like these rosters are really deep now. On no, their- and there's a lot of people there who you're kind of. It almost feels like you're you're really attaching that the idea that people like. Shinsuke Nakamura or Apollo Cruz or, uh, you know Austin Theory—they're going to have to carry more stuff than they did before. Yeah, and it's it's going to be kind of sink or swim for them because, I mean, I feel like the both these these brands on their own can probably run through all their big storylines in six months, really. So
1: yeah, yeah, I I agree. I mean, there's I mean there's people here that you know really don't have a whole lot more to give. In my opinion, like Nakamura doesn't. I mean I, I've said this and written this before um Apollo Cruz I mean they sent him down to NXT because he just wasn't adding any value to the main roster anymore and now he's back as playing old Apollo Cruz I mean I know the the previous character that he played didn't work either um but I mean Apollo Cruz didn't really um make a connection with the with the smaller audiences on NXT I mean I thought it was a flop there I mean that match he had with Carmelo Hayes, the best of three, just wasn't it just wasn't very good. So I mean, I think he's doomed on the main roster. And I think the creative team will find it very hard to come up with anything for him. I think he's main event bound. I think that's all he's really got to give at this point. I mean, carrying cross, I mean, no one's ever going to care. You just aren't. It's just over. Um, Here, here's
0: another question. So on SmackDown, who's Edge going to face? I, uh, so I mean, the, the options for Edge, since he's a babyface, are Roman Reigns. Which, if they're going to do that, I assume they're not doing it straight away. Um, the other heels
1: Plus, they've done that before, haven't they? We've already seen that. Yes,
0: yeah, so the only other heels that he could face are Austin Theory. I think now I think he could do something with Austin Theory. Carrion Cross. No. And LA Knight,
1: that's the three. LA Knight. Well, I think he could do something good with LA Knight. Yeah. But Knight has to win. And Knight, you know, I'm a fan of Knight. I've said this before. And he had, I thought he had a a really well-received match with Butch on SmackDown this past Friday. And, um, you know, this guy's, mind you, LA Knight's on the verge of turning face, isn't he? I mean, Knight versus versus Theory actually does feel like a really big programme for both. So that's what I want to see Theory and Knight do. If we get Edge versus Karrion Cross, (laughs) I will cry. I don't want it. I can't believe that Edge would come back for that. (laughs) You know what? I'm just going to give Christian a call. You know, see if he can get me a gig with AEW. Because, I mean,
0: it's almost like WWE are now putting themselves... They're in the opposite position to AEW. AEW have so many people that it's impossible to do much good with them. And now WWE have separated the rosters that... Every top player has maybe got two feuds in it. And then and then you've kind of exhausted them. There's not really much else to do. So I think this this draft is not going to be long for this world.
1: No, I, I don't think it is either. I mean, I've got to tell you, Kenny, I don't get excited about the draft ever. We've discussed this before. Yes, It always just leaves me with a, a feeling of sort of strange sense of emptiness. Because... It's like, oh, it's, you know, they always say, oh, it's going to change the game. You know, the landscape of the company is going to change forever, blah, blah, blah. And it it doesn't really make that much difference because they always renege on the commitments to, oh, we're going to you know keep these rosters apart and just get together at Royal Rumble and WrestleMania or whatever. And it never lasts. It never does because they recognize what you just said. We're running out of ideas. We're running out of matches for this person. So we need to bring someone over from the other team. And that's what they'll do again, so I don't really attach that much you know huge amount of importance to the draft because I just think there's a lot of flexibility there, and as there should be, as you have also pointed out, can't point you over this week, Kenny so
0: really say I'm gonna
1: whipping re- you off. I'm Ripping
0: glad off. this is recorded.
1: I can look <laughs> back on
0: this amongst the digs.
1: Keep going. I'm just ripping off all your suggestions and ideas and observations, and that's what they'll do. They'll just go. They'll just not regress. They'll they'll not the words not the regress. That means goes back and make things worse. They'll just go back to the way things were doing they were doing before, which was actually better. So it was the opposite of regression. I mean, they'll if you just, look at if you no, just
0: yeah. look at an example. I mean, you look at those two rosters. If you look at them on paper and you go. Do you? I mean, do any of us seriously think they could create a WrestleMania card based off those two separate rosters? The answer is no, no. no. And you know that just tells you. And also, it's been so good the last year without all this rubbish. So, yeah. You know, I th- hopefully, you know, do this till SummerSlam. Call it quits. Put it back mean, of every show.
1: I mean, if you look at like you know LWO versus Judgment Day. Mm -hmm. L.W.O., the entire L.W.O., Rey Mysterio, Santos, Selena, the whole crew, they've gone to SmackDown and the Judgment Day are remaining on Raw, right? Mm -hmm. So there's still mileage in that, as we saw in the uh, six-person match that was on Raw yesterday. I mean, when Dominic was doing (laughs) the promo, I mean, they just wouldn't let him speak. They were booing him so loudly. He could hardly contain his glee. You know, he had to keep calling a halt, halt to his promo because the booze was so loud. <laughs> and then there was a lot of interest in Dominic versus Rey in the ring. And it made sense for Damien Priest to score the pin on Rey Mysterio in the match, because of course Priest is facing Bad Bunny in the street fight this weekend at Backlash. So that all made sense. And I thought it was a really good six-person match, actually. It was very well assembled. There was a lot of complex things going on there. And, like, nearly all of them looked, you know, were delivered with pinpoint accuracy. Although everything really meshed so well. Well, actually, that's not true because Vega versus Ripley at the start did look a bit off. But once they got that mm. out of the way and settled down, this match really, you know, was, was like, you know, ferocious. So it was really well done. Yeah. But there's a lot more mileage left in Ray versus Dom, isn't there? And it would, it seems, you know, it's un- inconceivable to me that they won't have any further contact.
0: Yeah, I mean, we could go on for hours about reasons why this is not sustainable, but ultimately, it's not sustainable. But um, we'll wrap it up there for now because we're going to come back on Thursday. We're pre-recording it tomorrow because I'm moving house on Thursday, but um, I'm going to put a thing out to get your questions um, for the overrun this week uh, just to get some topics for us to cover. So do look out for that on my Twitter at KennyMCITR. Uh, Yeah, so we'll we'll be back then. But uh, Finn, I hope that you enjoy having... Twenty four hours before you have to talk to me again. <laughs> I'm missing you already, Kenny. See, that's it's that true friendship that we have that keeps us going. There's no bickering behind the scenes like other podcasts. This is this is friendship. <laughs> on a global scale.
1: We'll see how long that lasts eh? <laughs>
0: We'll see see how long. Uh, Listen, thank you so much for all your support. Do go pledge on Patreon to get this ad free and to also get loads of other stuff at patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes. So thank you very much for listening and talk to you soon.